Cheers, everybody, and welcome to my show, Super Unknown, with me, Donna Distortion. We're here live at Electric Lady, the legendary Electric Lady, and I'm so excited and honored to introduce my guest today. He's in the band My Morning Jacket, he has an impressive solo career, and he also has the best name in the world, Mr. Jim James. <laughs> Hi, Jim James. Thank you. Hi. Do you mind if I'm just going to say your full name like, throughout please, the whole interview? Please. So I really want to start at the beginning. And I want you to tell me, what was the first instrument you ever played? First instrument I ever played was uh, our stereo receiver, uh, my family's stereo receiver. There's a trick that a lot of people do when you can't afford an amp or anything, and you just play uh, through the stereo receiver, you know, you just get an RCA cable and plug it into your guitar. Um, and I was trying to plug it into my guitar, but I couldn't do it somehow, and it was just buzzing, but I kind of liked the buzzing. So I just kind of made rhythms with the buzzing of the stereo receiver, mm -hmm. but then played guitar. Did you ever record that? Uh, I don't think so. We should hear that. What's that first song you ever listened to that you remember? The first song I ever remember is Leader of the Band by Dan Fogelberg. Have you ever heard that song? Of course. I was maybe three, and my mom took me to the mall to get the 45 of it. And we listened to that song over and over and over again. Really sad song. It is. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sad start, man. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Uh, and the first song you ever performed, that's what I heard, I don't know if it's true, was R.E.M. Losing My Religion in Your Friend's Garage During High School. Yeah. Oh, that why is, that one? Well, I mean, we were in probably eighth grade or freshman in high school. And R.E.M., that was when Out of Time came out. And, uh, you know, you couldn't walk two feet without hearing losing my religion it was so huge and lucky for us like we none of us had like any older siblings or anybody to, to, to teach us about music so we kind of just learned about music through mtv and, and the radio and rolling stone and we got so lucky that actually good music was actually popular when we were kids because okay. like you know rem uh that record is a classic record, classic. you know, and so yeah, One of so my we favorites. yeah we heard "Losing My Religion" and luckily it's also very easy to play on guitar, it's just E minor and A minor over and over and over again. Want to play for some? <laughs> so we just started playing it, yeah, and it was uh, that's the first song we ever played. And who were you like a major super fan of growing up? Well, I kind of started with uh, hair metal. That was when I kind of started playing guitar, that's you know, with bands like Queenstrike and uh, Metallica and and those sort of bands, and also. But my parents listened to a lot of just oldies radio like Motown and Simon, Simon and Garfunkel. And, and then grunge really hit me really hard because that was when I was uh, 12 or 13 and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and R.E.M. and all those bands exploded. We also had a really, uh, there were some really great local bands. Uh, There's a band called Rodan that uh, was from Louisville when I was growing up. That was one of the biggest influences on me. Did you ever get to meet anyone that you were a super fan of? Oh, yeah. Over the years, I've been so fortunate to meet a lot of people um, that I never thought I'd get to meet. But um, yeah, Anything been, in particular that you remember? I mean, yeah, I was just so lucky to, to have met so many people and seen so many people. Did you have like any embarrassing moments with one of your idols? It's always a little embarrassing because you're so nervous, you know? It's, that's, that's kind of, uh, of nerve-wracking, meeting somebody like that. What did you tell them, do you remember? I don't think I told anybody anything. There's just like a thing with, uh, you know, like uh, meeting Bob Dylan or whatever. Like you're not, you're you not Bob Dylan. Yeah, you. you're not supposed to shake his hand. You're supposed to give him a fist bump. Yeah, that's <laughs> a I thing. I shook his hand. You know, like you know, just oh, things like that. Where you're like, what did he say? 
Not much. We didn't talk. She <laughs> <laughs> got to uh, shake his hand. Yeah, yeah. Bump, yeah. I heard you're a big fan of the Electric Mayhem Band. I am. Is that what made you want to uh, start your career as a musician? It really was, yeah. I mean, other than the leader of the band thing, the Muppet Show was the big thing that got me into music as a kid because I remember uh, just watching the Muppet Show and being fascinated by the band and wanting to do that. I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to uh, be in a... A crazy band like the Electric Mayhem. And I guess your answer to the last question should have been Kermit the Frog because you got to meet him. I did get to meet Kermit. That was beautiful. Do you want to talk about that duet a little bit? That was so awesome. It was so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that was like, that was maybe the most nervous I've ever been. <laughs> that little uh, mandolin, what was he playing? Like, banjo, yeah. Banjo, banjo. That was so cool. Oh, he's so cool. How did that even like, what was that about? Well, there's new, have you ever been to Newport Folk? festival of course yeah so that newport folk festival is just filled with magic collaborations mm -hmm. and uh i wasn't even supposed to go that year i wasn't playing or anything but they called me uh and they're like do you want to come sing with kermit the frog and i was like that's Bleh. how they said yeah i was like uh yeah i can't how turn can that you down. say no to kermit i was the so frog. busy too i had a million things going going on and they asked me that and i was like oh my god y'all are trying to kill me because i can't <laughs> say no it was amazing Oh, I'll remember that you can't say no. <laughs> Write that down, guys. Okay, so I went to spy a little and I went on your um, fan Facebook page and I asked the same questions. Where is the best place to listen to a Jim James record? The best place? Yes. Environment. Uh, I think on a walk in the woods. And here are some of my favorite answers. One of them was definitely that. Okay, so I said, uh, where is the best place to listen to a Jim James record? And they said, uh, break into his car and listen on his speakers. Do you even have a car? Huh. <laughs> Who has a car? <laughs> okay, I thought that was creepy, but okay. That is kind of creepy. Uh, the top of a snowy mountain. That's cool. Uh, vinyl, my house. A great sound system, earth and its atmosphere. <laughs> okay, another person said, um, headphones towards, not sure what that means, okay. My stereo vinyl, very, very, very original. Uh, wherever you are, is that great? Mm -hmm. um, in an alternate, in, in, in an altered state. Mm. Uh Stars, moon, we got a lot of that. And also people uh, attached photos. Oh, wow. What, what is this? Is that a cabin? Cabin in the woods. Uh-huh, yeah. And... Oh, the woods. Nice. Your fans are nice. serial killers, man. <laughs> I don't know what they're planning on doing in these woods, but... Okay. <laughs> Why are you relating woods with killing? <laughs> I don't know. From what I heard, when you go into the woods and nobody can track I you... Know, it's all day. It's all day. I don't know about that. <laughs> Did you ever write a song that you felt was like really, really great, but others didn't? Oh, tons of songs. In fact, that's every song I write. See that in a, how do you go on to deciding what songs to release and whatnot? You, songs just kind of talk to you. You know, for me, the song comes as a message, you know, from somewhere, and then I take it and record it and try and figure it out, and and also input some of my own life, some of my own words, um, and then you know you're making an album, and you've got. 20 songs or whatever but you don't want to make a 20 song album you want to make a 10 song album gradually the songs happen or they don't you know some of them for whatever reason they just you know just doesn't work the recording isn't good or, or you don't like the performance or whatever 
So I, I heard feel you like use it, like your voice memo to record stuff. Yeah, is that I, correct? Yeah, I remember ideas from my voice memo. And uh, yeah, the songs are so weird because they just kind of make themselves. And you said in other interviews that um, some songs, you know, you give to, you know that you're going to play with My Morning Jacket and some, you know, that are going to be solo. How do you, how do you know? Like, it's that weird, it's that same weird process. It's like they just kind of, I don't know why they have these little designations in my brain. You just know. Yeah. So I want to go back and listen to one of your songs. Um, you, you, you gave me a demo. Is that a demo of an early song you wrote? It's one of the first recordings I ever did uh, with my band at the time. I'm excited to hear it. <laughs> Take it away, boys.
tell us about what we just heard. Well, that song's interesting because it's one. It's I would say it's the first song I, that I ever recorded that I actually uh, liked as a kid. Um, I recorded that maybe when I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school, and that song holds a strange, uh, you know, because m- most things I think most people would agree most things you record when you're a kid you cringe when you hear them later. You know, like I don't want to listen to a lot of the things I did when I was that age, but that song. Uh, there's this this healer um, that I see sometimes, and she had like this uh, premonition. She's like, I feel like you've got this old song of yours that you wrote when you're a kid that is about like a tree or like a house and a tree or something that you need to listen to again. And that was what this song was. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, maybe. And, and that really, really struck me because I've always remembered this song and always like, there's just something about it that I liked. And so I went, she was like, I didn't have it. She was like, go back home and find the song. And, and, uh, and there's some riddle in there, you know, that will help you figure out something. And so I went and dug through all my old tape boxes and found the song and, you know, put it into the computer, recorded it into the computer. And I mean, it's, I don't even really remember what it's about other than like building like a, a house in the woods somewhere. It's like, that's something I've always kind of wanted. See why everybody's thinking of woods when they <laughs> yeah. hear songs? Huh? No wonder. I've always wanted a you kind of the woods. tree house or, you know, some house. I love when you see, you know, people send you or you see pictures online of like really cool tree houses, you know, that are up in the kind of like an Ewok village from Star Wars or something. I've always wanted to live like in the trees or in the woods. Um, so Do you? I don't currently. Maybe you should. But yeah, yeah, maybe I need to. But I'm still trying to figure out, because uh, I can't understand a lot of what I'm saying, and I don't really remember what I was writing the song about, other than just that feeling of wanting that house in the woods. I really love that. Thanks. That's, that's a good story. Uh, did you ever want like, did you ever think of stopping making music, or did anything make you say, why am I doing this? Oh, definitely, yeah. I feel like I've gotten injured uh, several times while on tour. Oh, I gotta ask you another question. Yeah. What's the first thing that comes to somebody's mind when they fall off stage? Like the first thing. Oh fuck. <laughs> okay. That was the first thing that came to my mind. I always wanted to know. Like. It's so terrible. It's a really, really terrible feeling. Uh, yeah, and so several times that's happened, and I've really thought about not doing it anymore you know because it's the the touring lifestyle it's such a cliche to say it but it it is such a hard way to live it's such a even if you're lucky to tour in a nice way you know like there's a lot of blues that comes with it it really is there's a lot of loneliness and uh, a lot of being away from home and so many times i've i've thought about not doing it but the tough thing for musicians now is because people don't buy records anymore if you want to make a living you have to tour you don't have a choice so i think most of us are trying to just figure out how can we keep a better balance you know how can you uh still tour because playing shows are fun you know that's not the part that's tough it's the but do you have to do like a tour tour in order to well it's just you have to do it so that it all balances out you know because it also costs a lot to tour even gas you know just the fuel of touring and stuff and so it's a it's a it's a puzzle it's a really uh, intense puzzle oftentimes i've thought about quitting but i've never felt called to be anything else you know it's not like i feel called to be a dentist or or something that i that is calling to me you know yeah so, did you ever like take a really long break or like yeah i've taken was many there pressure breaks. of you coming back to it and you're like i'm not ready 
No, I mean, I, I work with a lot of really good people. Nobody's ever really put pressure on me. That's good. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of takes its own time. All right, now let's play a game. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, I'm so happy. We've got to light it up a little bit. Um, we're going to play a game called You're So Vain. Okay. And I want you to tell me five things you're really, really good at. Five things I'm good at. Wow. That's tough. Uh, I'm good at... I like to make people laugh. Um, I like to make people cry. I like to make people... Uh, I think I'm pretty good at guitar. Uh, I'm good at recording, making records. I love doing that. Um, I like to think I'm a good friend. Ooh, nice. And let's talk about recording. You started your own um, label in 2008 called uh, Remevador. I'm saying it right. Removador, yeah. Removador. So from I, what I see, what I Googled, it says that in, it's a innova, in, innovator and reformer in Spanish. Is that what it is? Well, it's a word I made up in Spanish class in high school that meant the remover oh. to me. And that just kind of became my really? alternate, uh, my email and my, it's just a word I invented. I don't, it may be a, a real word too. Uh, but for me, I, I just jokingly... Yeah, that's what it says, and it kind of sounds What pretty, did you say it means? Uh, inva- <laughs> innovator reformer. Oh, that's so, cool. Uh, right? That's oh, cool. I thought that's... <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> this is actually me uh, telling you uh, what you should do. Build a treehouse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're a reformer and an invader. That's awesome. Nice. Invader? Is invader a person who... Invader or innovator? Innovator. Innovator. Innovator, okay. Nice. Invader, we're going back to the woods. I don't want to. <laughs> By the way, we have a date in the woods after this. <laughs> so when, when sh- this is, this is and, and talking about like, you know, starting a label, you said, you know, you want to highlight, you know, new artists and like put them in the spotlight, which I think is really cool because, you know, this is what this show is about. And we're featuring a lot of new music. So thanks, Jim James. Yeah. And, uh, but when, when should somebody... And I know it's a harsh question, but when should somebody just give up and say, hey, you know, that's not my calling? You know, that's a, that's a really great question because I think a lot of people don't know when to give up, you know, because I think, I think you have to listen to your heart, but I think a lot of people will press on past their heart because of some outside pressure. Uh, you know, it's like I, I think your heart will tell you because you have to do it for a long time while you're getting no for an answer. You know, the universe is telling you no and people are telling you no and... You're touring and playing for three people and nobody cares. And, you know, it can be so tough trying to, quote unquote, make it, you know, whatever that means to you. Um, but what about like luck or the right meeting the right people? That's what I mean. It's or... all that stuff. So I feel like at a certain point, a person has to say to themselves, what am I doing this for? You know, what are my motives? Are my motives pure? Do I really love making music or do I just want to be famous or what, what is the thing? What if you're just not good? Well, some people, yeah, exactly. But it's like, but even then it's like, it's all relative, you know, so what? Yeah, because you know, like your whole life people tell you, believe in yourself. And even, yeah. people, even if people tell you, you know, you, you suck, go for it and then it will happen. Right. But then nothing happens. So. Yeah, it's so tough because it's all relative and a lot of things that suck become huge become some of the biggest things in the world and vice versa a lot Good of people point. who are really talented don't ever get noticed um so like what it, advice would you give like to be noticed well i don't know i mean being noticed i don't know there's so many things about that that i don't even understand or care about but the main thing i would say that that really is the most important is just follow 
your heart and make the music. Because that to me is the real stamp of who's real and who's not. The people that are real, they get in there and they make the music every day and they love it. And and it doesn't matter if 30,000 people are coming to the show or if three people are coming because they still want to get home and make that music and write that music. They feel the call. You are really good at making people cry because <laughs> I cry right now. Oh, my God. You just <laughs> got to answer the call, you know? I like that. That's that's actually a really good um, advice. Uh, and what made you what made you want to start the label? What, uh, how did well, that come Well, the label's about? been a tough thing because it's just, yeah, I wanted to... Um, put out bands that I liked and believed in and um, also for a minute there I was thinking maybe we would transition to just putting our stuff out on the label as well and my, my stuff but as I quickly learned a label just has so many moving parts and so many you know it's it, a business it, it's a business yeah and if you're not gonna have the time or money to hire staff to run the business I just quickly learned that I'm too busy wanting to write music and work on music. I don't have time to man a Wanna label. Want to the creative. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I thought it would be easier than it was, but it, it wasn't. It was a, quite a task, and I felt like I was asking too many people to do too many things that they didn't need to be doing because they were busy too. So, you know, it's just kind of, I haven't done it in a while. So you're not a part of the label anymore? Well, I mean, it exists metaphysically in space. You're not a reformer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, time for another game. Are you ready? Yeah. You have three seconds. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, um, read you quotes um, lyrics. I'm a, I'm a big lyrics fan. Okay. I'm gonna read you lyrics from your songs, and okay. you have three seconds to tell me what song. Wow, that's a good game. Uh, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Three seconds. Time him. <laughs> Scroll back in time through your account. Throwback. Nice. What album is it on? Oh, uh, Uniform Distortion. Yeah. <laughs> you wrote it about me, didn't you? <laughs> Money don't do a thing for me. I'm happy now. The that dark from the Tennessee fire. Correct, correct. You're good. You know your song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this game called Mark My Words, by the way. <laughs> a good game. <laughs> right? Come by this piece on my own, but could not have done it alone. Finally home. Oh, in the moment. Yeah. Know your songs very well. Uh, <laughs> and the last one, things I could say to myself, I could never say anyone else to anyone else. But what Madonna said really helped. She said, "Boy, you better learn to express yourself." I knew that one right when you started, but I wanted to hear that. Hear you say the whole thing. That's any time from I the album. I can't thank Z. you enough for that. I can't thank you enough for that because that's the best one. Woo! All right, let's talk a little bit about collaboration. So beside Kermit the Frog, which collaborations have you enjoyed the most? Wow. I mean, collaboration is the name of the game for me. I, I love doing it, and I've been fortunate to do it with so many people. You know, everything is is different, and I try to live in the moment. You know, so this one right now with Teddy and the Lou Orchestra is um, so amazing. I mean, so insane singing with an orchestra. And I love to not be playing anything so it's really fun for me to not be playing guitar and just singing um when we did uh monsters of folk a while back one of the things i loved and that was like just playing bass on other people's songs i, I love times when i can step out of the normal because if it's a solo concert or my Mar my morning jacket concert i have to lead the whole thing into battle you know and play guitar and sing and but it's like uh so fun to be part of somebody else's world, you know, and, and it's not all about me. 
And this one was recorded with a live orchestra, the Louisville Orchestra. Yeah. Do you feel like you have to like dress up nicer or like is your stage I wear the same thing every time you're pretty, pretty much. much. Maybe like the beard and the hair. Yeah, I don't, I'm very clothing conscious. <laughs> well, like, uh, so how do you choose who to collaborate with? And we're going to talk a lot about the new album when we get yeah. Teddy in soon, but how do you choose your collaborations? They just choose me. I don't really, you know, things just come, you know. I mean, I reach out to people sometimes, but I feel like things just just happen as you meet people in life, you know, as you're going through your normal life. Because I feel like collaborations are, are just like any organic, other. Organic, right? It's organic. It's like you meet a new friend, you know, you meet somebody that you like, and you're like, oh, I really liked that person. And then you see him again and see him again. And, then and that's what you soon, do. you just like, hey, let's record something together. Totally, you yeah. jam, you jam first. What do you do? Like, what's the, yeah. You just, yeah, you get together and talk and figure it out. Do you have any secret collaborations you're hoping for in the future? Uh, I mean, gosh, I don't know. You collaborated with M. Ward on the Cranberry Log. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. First of all, what the hell is that? Well, we created a blog about Cranberry because we're both Cranberry enthusiasts, and uh, that's pretty original. Thanks. I you have a good. lot of good ideas. What I'm really hoping is that uh, some massive Creme Brulee Corporation wants to buy the website from us because it's a great website, CremeBrulee.com. Not yet, but we're waiting. Uh, but uh, we, that's another thing, kind of like uh, my record label that I just didn't have time to do. So there haven't been many uh, posts on the Creme Brulee, but uh, if you want to make a post, let me know. I'll post it on there. Absolutely. What do I do? do I like well, so here's what it is you have a Creme Brulee. Yeah. And you write about it. And and you can write as metaphysically as you want. I don't know if you've read any of the things that are on there. Of course I have. Like, I, I wrote a pretty metaphysical thing. Some people write yeah. kind of just, just practical thing about how the creme brulee was. Uh, I was excited. I just wanted a creme brulee. So like, well, next time you have one, write about it and send it to me. That will be the next podcast. We're just going to meet in the kitchen and make some creme brulee together. Yeah. Creme brulee, everybody. That's a pretty <laughs> cool idea. I love it. Um, and how does the band accept their solo career? Like, do you... Go into a completely different subject, but um, how do they accept? Uh, how, how do you like even that out? Like, well, I mean, bands are tricky things. I mean, I think a lot of people know having a band is like having five relationships at once. You know, you yeah, keep, I always say it's like marriage. Yeah, it's like five marriages, uh, and bands go up and down. Cycles of life go up and down. People have hard times. People have good times. For me, it's like doing other things keeps the band alive in my mind. And uh, we've had trouble with the band. You know, there have been times when I didn't want to tour anymore. I was tired. I was injured. I was frustrated. Um, you know, fighting, things like that. But yeah, you spend like a lot of time with... I mean, it's been I mean, 20 they're years. they're your friends, but like you're constantly together. It's a you're lot of pressure. In, they yeah. see you at, in the morning, in the night. It's it's really a lot to deal with. But one thing I did discover lately is that, that My Morning Jacket... With those guys, we've come back around to this really beautiful place, and the way that we got there was by just talking. I think so many people are afraid to talk. Did you are go there... to marriage counseling? Well, I go to therapy, and and that's where I've learned to like not hold a thing in, you know, because if you hold a thing in, it turns into resentment and it turns into this anger. But if you just talk about it, it might be uncomfortable for a few minutes. But you're going to move past it a lot quicker. Slap each other on. Deal with that. Right? <laughs> no violence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, talking. Uh, verbally, verbally. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you resolve that. So that's good. But do do they ever like, hey man, let's go back on tour? And you're like, no, I just want to do my thing. Like, how do you? 
How do you deal with it? Because I don't know if they have, do they have their own solo projects? Some of them do, yeah. And like, how, like, do they ever say like, hey, let's go back and you're like, I'm not ready yet? Or, oh, yeah. Oh, we've been down that road many times. Yeah. I mean, touring is just a puzzle for everybody. Yeah, because it's the the only way musicians can make a living now. So it's like, it's constantly a puzzle of trying to figure out how much touring you can do to pay your bills and, and just keep everything going, but not burn yourself out. All right. <laughs> so speaking of collaborations, let's call uh, Teddy Abram in and talk about the new album. And in the meantime, we'll hear another song by uh, an unknown artist Great. called uh, a Seasonal Beast. <laughs> and they also... Play that's with an orchestra, name. and that's why I nice. thought that's you, a great you'll band enjoy name. it. Play it, and let's call Teddy in. Cool.
Just heard Seasonal Beast.、Uh, that was an awesome song called Dry Bones. And、uh, I want to welcome Teddy Abram to the show. Hi, Teddy. Hi. <laughs> Good to have you here. It's great to be here.、Um, so, congrats on the new、uh, record, you guys. Thanks. It's very, Thank very exciting. Thank you very much. Yeah, I love it personally.、Um, you are the conductor、um, and the director of the Louisville Orchestra. That's right. That's very important and very awesome. And the,、uh, you composed the music for the Order of Nature?、That's、yes. Well, I, yes, I created the orchestrations and the arrangements and worked to put it into a suite. So, what's your background, guys? Like,、uh, how did you get to do this collaboration and where did you meet?、Uh, tell us a little bit about the friendship. Well, we met in Louisville. Teddy came to Louisville five years ago now. Is that how long it's been? Yeah, this is my six seasons. Yeah, five yeah years. he came here to Louisville about five years ago. And before he came, the, the orchestra was a thing that nobody really talked about or thought about because it was really going downhill、uh, creatively and financially. You just didn't think about the orchestra much. Teddy came down and just really blew the doors open and invited all different kinds of musicians to collaborate and、uh, started doing lots of really exciting projects. And、uh, so Teddy and I met and re- really wanted to do something together and took a couple years, but then we finally started talking about really doing this. So、um, I started writing songs for it and then、uh, just kind of trying to imagine what the The song Sweet would be, and we included a couple of the, my pre existing songs and a couple covers. And then I turned it all over to Teddy, and he wrote the arrangements and kind of the transitions between songs. And we just wanted to make a piece, you know, a 40 minute piece of music that went from start to finish without stopping,、uh, but hopefully was engaging and exciting and restful and healing. And you recorded it live with the orchestra, right? Yeah, it's all live. 100%. One take. One take. One take. I didn't know that. Literally, Saturday、Seriously? night's performance. We did、wow. Friday morning. Then we did Saturday night. Saturday night was better. That is, <laughs> that, that is the take. Yeah. Which is really cool. That's almost unheard that's, of. That's amazing.、It、How many people are、like、in the orchestra?、Someone. Oh, sorry. How many people are in the orchestra? So the orchestra has a core of 58 people, and that's actually a full orchestra, and everybody's full time. They're full time salaried with benefits, and、uh, we play 34 weeks a year. But then, like any orchestra, you add players to make up the extra instruments that you need. So, for instance, this piece calls for five percussionists. So, we don't have five percussionists in the orchestra, so we added a lot of other percussionists to come join us. That's common, even in Mahler, for instance, a Mahler symphony might have eight horns, and most orchestras only have four or five at most. So, We added a bunch.、Uh, there are 80 something musicians on, on the,、uh, the track. How long did it take you to prepare for the actual recording? Like, did you rehearse a lot? What was the. Orchestras do the same kind of rehearsals regardless of what the project is. It's so weird. So they were well trained. It's in a, one week. So、oh, we,、wow. we rehearsed for、uh, two days, two and a half days before the Friday morning concert, and then we played the concert. And what's weird is we would have done that if we were playing. Uh, you know, a whole Beethoven program or a Mozart program or this or another world premiere. It's just the schedule for a subscription concert. But I will say the cool thing was that this was on our regular subscription series. So if somebody bought all the concerts for that year, 
they would have come to this concert regardless of whether they you know knew about the project or were excited to to hear this particular piece they were coming anyway so it was not like a special event it was just part of the the series even though it of course it sold out with, with Jim amazing. being there but it was really neat because our you know 1,200 subscribers, in addition to all the other ticket buyers, were, were already there. Wow. So you played LPR the other night uh, with the orchestra. I believe you didn't bring all uh, 58 <laughs> members of the orchestra. It's a pretty tiny place. Yeah. I've been there, and I don't know where they will fit. So how many people from the orchestra did you bring? We had five string players, and then well, one of the percussionists who was on the original track, and then I played piano. So it was a, a septet. Did you do like a contest, like of who's going to win to play with you? Like, how did you choose <laughs> who you were going to bring? We actually just chose our principal string. So we made it very easy. We chose our concertmaster and assistant concertmaster, our principal violist, our principal cellist, and our principal uh, bass player right now. So, but it the was, other ones were like, shit, trip to New York. <laughs> I mean, I they got the trip to New York, got to go on Fallon, got to play at LPR. It's pretty, it was pretty were, good reward. For, uh... Yeah, but they were very excited. They were so happy to to be a part of this. I mean, it meant it meant a lot to to us to have the members of the orchestra actually here to participate in this uh, performance because it really is a collaboration between the orchestra and Jim and me. It's it's you know that that identity does matter. You're a fan of Metallica. Did you get the idea from the the <laughs> album? Well, it's funny that's come up a lot because the cool thing about this is like. There's no band. There's no uh, drum set or bass or uh, electric guitar. Because when you do... My Morning Jacket has done orchestra shows with the band, you know? And the tough part about that is a, a band is so loud that oftentimes the orchestra becomes just an afterthought. And uh, I think when Metallica did that, they had two orchestras. They had like 120 people or something crazy like that. But uh, the fun thing about this was just not having a band makes it feel way more um I, i just keep saying edith piaf or something like i just keep Love liking her. to feel like i'm i'm just a singer in front of this orchestra cool. you know it's right. really really a beautiful magical thing because it just sounds so much different without a, a band there and you have to like kind of you can't like you have to think go crazy about edith piaf a lot yeah, yeah you channel her in when you uh, <laughs> yeah. when you do that um Uh, so, are you are you planning on touring with the orchestra, like the full orchestra, or at least a, a bigger portion of it? Well, that's the cool thing about this project is orchestras all over the world can just read the music. So Teddy and I can go. We did a concert with the National Symphony in D.C. We're going to Denver. We're going to Seattle. We want to go to that's Europe. That's what it we is. We can around. read the music. Yeah, we can go anywhere with it. Really. That's yeah, amazing. and we just start again with the local orchestra, which is really cool because. It, it actually brings something special to the collaboration. It means that just like with Louisville, you know, it was about the Louisville Orchestra uh, collaborating with, with Jim. It could be the Colorado Symphony collaborating with Jim or the Seattle Symphony collaborating with Jim. It's not just us on tour with the same musicians. It brings this local element to a local identity. So it actually is about working together. But it doesn't like, you don't lose from the intimacy. If like the, you know, because I know that there's such a big uh, relationship to the people you play with if you don't know them. And, and I guess you don't. You know, it's really cool. It's a different thing. It's just, a, yeah, because it's such, for me, it's such a fun concept because normally I do get to play with the same people on tour whether it's my morning jacket or a solo thing you're on tour for a month with the same people this is really cool because we walk in different thing completely you know and mostly it's Teddy because he's the one who's in charge of the orchestra uh, and communicating with them and telling them if they're too fast or too slow or you know somebody needs to do this or that but other than that it's like they are such masters at reading music and interpreting music that they 
can play anything you put in front of them. It's it's unbelievable. It's pretty amazing. And it's it's a little weird when you think about it because of course if a band tours, it's very intimate. You know, everybody knows each other. They mm. they know exactly how they're going to play every passage in the music. Yet when I go guest conduct, so for instance, like I'm going to a whole bunch of orchestras this season for just a week because that's what a guest conducting gig is. You go and you do that that week of concerts. You could be doing this powerful music, like you could do a Shostakovich symphony, which is all about like, you know, the oppression in Soviet Russia, all these like huge themes, and you have two days of rehearsals to become intimate with, you know, 80, 90 musicians yeah. that you've never worked with before, you barely know, and, you know, tackle this huge subject matter and then go perform it and then and then you're gone. It's an objectively pretty weird thing to do. <laughs> it's a big orgy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people involved in there. <laughs> so, guys, let's listen to a song from the new record and congratulate on the new record. Thanks. It's so Thank exciting. Sure. I personally love it. Uh, what song are we going to hear? What do you want to hear? What do you want to hear? <laughs> what do you want to hear? Well, we've heard them all before. Yeah, we've heard them all. <laughs> you, got, you gotta pick one. <laughs> all right, let's hear it.
Um, Teddy. Yes. Actually, you're busy, so I'll ask ask Jim Jim James first because I have to call him in his full name. Jim James, tell me uh, one thing you really love about Teddy. (laughs) Man, I could go on and on. I mean, what don't I love? That's maybe the question, the better question to ask. Uh, And I also don't have an answer to that question. No, Teddy's a. been a joy to work with. I mean, it's crazy to watch what he's done in Louisville, how he's just come. Because in the classical world, I feel like, at least in my encounters, and in the music world, in gen- well, in the world in general, you get a lot of no's. Can we do this? No. Can we try it this way? No. Doors are closed. <laughs> Teddy, it's the opposite. He's like, yes, let's do this. Can we combine this? Yes, let's try it. Can we do this weird thing over here? Of course, let's try it. You know, And that's what that's how I try to be with with music, especially is like, can we mix this and this? Sure, you know, because that's what's fun, and I think that's what has been missing from the the quote unquote classical world for so long is this sense of of fun and uh, adventure. And, Everybody uh, takes themselves so seriously. I know it's so serious. So I think you know we could all learn a lesson in not taking ourselves too seriously, but. Teddy's really been inspiring to me. Maybe in that Teddy way. should make us some creme brulee. He should. Yeah. I've, I'm assuming that <laughs> references something, but if it doesn't, that's super cool. I've got a, I've got a creme brulee. <laughs> I've got he a creme brulee. He knows me so blog. well already. <laughs> I've got a creme brulee blog, and that's what she's talking Wait, about. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. It's called. Creme... But he, I thought he actually makes Wait, about them. About creme brulee. It's... Yeah, it's about it's reviewing creme brulee. Basically, are you, is that your favorite? Dessert? It's called creme brulee. Creme brulee, which is brilliant. Com. Are you serious? Yeah. Teddy, tell no me joke. one. Thing you really love about Jim besides the fact he can't make creme brulees for well, his life. Well, it's the same kind of thing. What don't I love about Jim? And of course, you know, Jim. Jim is a is a hero in in Louisville. I mean, it's really it's a huge honor to be working with him. But the thing that, especially, you know, we've been going around now for the last couple of days talking about this album and uh, really trying to to explain why we did this. And and many of the questions have been about what this album really means and what it's trying to accomplish and what the story is, the narrative. Um, and I've been really impressed with all these these questions that have delved deeply uh, into the content. And what, what one of the things I love about Jim is that he is really talking about making music that makes a difference in our lives. And I think so many artists are just putting out they're just putting out more sound. There's just more piling up so much content. You're allowed to say crap on the show. By well, the yeah, but it's just like the more stuff, just piles of stuff. And, you know, here we've been in these these interviews talking about and listening to Jim, who I think he's so honest with the 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 message that this music can really 
provide an opportunity to to talk about how we can be more peaceful, more loving, more caring towards each other. And I think that that honesty sings right through the songs on on this this album and everything that he does. That's real. I don't think there are that many people I've ever worked with that are so real about their their desire to communicate a message that that really could change us and 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 help us to to all grow together so that's really special especially in my world when so much of what we do is from the past uh, it's it's a, a great pleasure to work with somebody that's thinking about trying to communicate right into people's hearts right now obviously teddy is really bud. good at uh making people cry too <laughs> all right guys in this on this positive note i i would like to thank you for coming to my thank show you. i Thanks. can't thank you enough thank you're you. so inspiring Thanks. both of you i love the new record congratulations and uh, i want to thank everybody involved on today's uh, episode the beautiful people of electric lady for hosting my podcast such a legendary place to be my sound engineer saf specter my co-producer audra lacy and the selfportraitproject.com for hosting our awesome photo booth and uh, let's go take some uh, photos at the photo booth yeah okay. all right and uh, listen to the next song and i want jim to introduce it all right You're about to listen to a song that I've never heard in my life. Um, so I'm sorry if it is a troubling lyrically or musically. Uh, this band is called Them Fangs. I really like that name a lot. Uh, Life Do Change. Thank you.